Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer three service times for you to choose from. We have kids classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Now, here's an encouraging word. You know, I, I love this time of the year. I think it's a great time to refocus. We're coming out of amazing time of prayer and fasting the last couple of weeks. So many of you guys have been just blessed by the time we've spent in prayer and fasting. You know, I believe it brings clarity. It brings perspective. It's almost like getting a, a spiritual tune-up, you know, and that just refocuses you for the year to come. And that's why we're not big on resolutions, because I feel resolutions just, they wean out. But revelation from God will carry you all the way through, through the year. Can you say amen? And on your way in today, you got one of these, what we call this a new life menu, because we believe that beginning of the year, it's time to recast the vision. It's to recast the focus of why God brought us together. You know, there's so many churches. Why would God bring you here? I believe it's for a reason. It's for a purpose. It's for you to embrace the process of becoming the new normal. And I, I hope you take time to go through this. I'm not going to look at this right now. I just want to redirect your attention to it because I'm going to mention it throughout this message today, that the goal is that we are in this process, on this journey of becoming who God created us to be. And for us, we like to call it the new normal. Now, different churches may call it different things, but this is how God has customized it for us. It's the new normal for us individually, but also for us as a community and for this region. Can you say amen? So I will be mentioning this throughout this, so take, take, take this with you and look through it. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in the book of Corinthians, the second book of Corinthians, chapter 5, is where our Bible reading is going to come from. And these verses right here, for us, these are the life verses of this community. When we, when we started six years ago, by the way, last week we celebrated six years of New Life South Coast. This was what we felt was the mandate from God for us to establish here in this region. In 2 Corinthians 5, beginning with verse 17, says, This means that anyone, say anyone, anyone. say it like you mean it, say anyone, anyone, who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. Can you say ambassadors? ambassadors. Say it like you're one of them. Say ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Can you say amen? So, my friends, becoming the new normal is the mandate of this house. It is what God, I believe, wants for all humanity. The thing is, the, if, if, if it's a new normal, is because there is something that is not normal or abnormal. 
See, when you come face to face with the reality of God's love, you start to realize that, wow, there's a lot of things that are not normal when it comes to God's economy. The problem is we're so used to the world's economy that we think that's normal, but then when God begins to open your heart and mind, you'll start to realize, wow, that's actually abnormal because God has a normal and it doesn't look like that. So in order for new normal to come, something has to go. You can't have old and new all at the same time. Come on, you track it with me. That's why the Bible says the old is gone and the new has come, right? And if you look at this particular city that this church was planted in, this church was planted in a city called Corinth, which is modern-day Greece, right? That city was very similar to our city. It was a port city, just like our city is. I don't know if you know this, but New Bedford uh, still today produces probably one of the greatest fishing uh, uh, industries in, 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 in this country. Based next to Alaska, when it comes to certain fish, like uh, uh, New Bedford is up there in production of, of, of fish. And, and I don't know if you know this, but if you go track the history of the city, it used to be one of the wealthiest cities in the world at one point because of the whaling industry and the oil that they used to produce that would go all over the world to light the world. And I'm believing that God is about to establish prosperity in the city again. You know. I believe it. I believe that God wants to bless you and prosper you in this city, in this region. Can you say amen? But something's got to go for the new to come, right? And, and, and the thing is, it's a process. It's a lifelong process of becoming this new that God has for every single one of us. But what I love the fact is, is that the Bible says anyone, right? That's so important because usually in the world, for you to accomplish certain things, you got you to gotta, you gotta meet certain standards. You got to have certain requirements or requisites or prerequisites. For example, for you to get a certain job, you have to have a certain resume. And for you to live in a certain neighborhood, you have to have a certain income. And for you to get certain positions, you, you, know, you got to be a certain color. There's prejudice. There's all these different things. But thank God when it comes to God's house and God's economy, he says anyone, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The only requisite for this is that you are anyone. Are you are anyone, then, then you are welcome into this economy of God. Because a lot of times when you hear about the message of God, it comes from, from a very uh, terrible place where people think that you have to be religious to get into the things of God. Like you have to come from a religious background or you have to come from a religious house or, or you, have, you have to do baptism and catechism and, 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 and all the chisms that you have to do to get in. But when you read the scriptures, you understand that God came to break down all these barriers, all these preconceived notions. He came to level the playing field to make sure that everybody has the same access to his will and to his purpose for our lives. So... So thank God that you don't have to be from a certain neighborhood. Thank God that you don't have to be from a, certain, from a certain family. Thank God that you don't have to be in a certain economical status to receive the grace and the goodness of God that he has for us. Can you say amen? Anyone who's in Christ can become this new person. The old is gone, the new has come. You know, what's fascinating about that is you have no idea who you're sitting next to. If you only knew what the old looked like, because, you know, here we are Sunday morning, right? We've got a Sunday best on. Everybody's got the smile on. But if you only knew. And for you guys who had an old and you have a new, you got to help me here. You know that that old you. That, that's cute. But some of y'all, you know, man, the old me 
thank God that's over with, that's done. I'm so thankful that I have a new me. It's a new reality. It's a new day. Because you don't want to catch the old me. I'm over here talking about, you know, it's the new normal, but catch me in the old normal. Matter of fact, you wouldn't catch me in church if the old was still ruling. Uh, you you would have catch me right now with a hangover talking about, I'll never do it again. <laughs> Sipping ginger ale talking about, I'm never going back until the next weekend comes around. Are oh, we in church, but anybody going to be honest and real this morning? Thank God that the old is gone and the new is here and it's a process. And the beauty of this process is, is that God customizes it. You don't have to worry about being on the same page as somebody else because God has his own process of the newness of life that he's doing in you. And the worst thing we can do in this process is compare ourselves to somebody else's new. Right? You could be looking at someone else's new, but there's, that's chapter 32 of their new, and you're in chapter 4. And if you try to stick up and be like, oh, I don't look like that. Yeah, because you're in chapter 4. Get to chapter 5 and 6 and 7. Let God be the one to lead you down the newness of life that he has for you. But my friends, it's becoming, which means it's ongoing. We don't arrive at this thing. Right? We progressively grow towards the things that God has for us. The Bible calls this transformation. Right? The Greek word is the word metamorphosis. Right? There's this process of transformation that begins when Jesus comes into your life and now he begins to do an inside-out work. That's why I'm saying religion won't do it because religion is about just doing some rituals, but rituals don't change your heart. Right? Like you, you could do a lot of external things, but your heart could still remain the same. And, and, and the word heart here, my friends, is the word for your true self. The Bible calls it heart. He calls it mind. He calls it soul. He calls it spirit. He says, like, there's a true you in there that needs to be regenerated, transformed in order for you to see the fullness of what God has for you. So the same man who wrote this book wrote another one for the church in the, in, in, in the city of Rome, and he said this about this process of transformation. He says, look, go ahead to Romans 12. He said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. This world means the philosophies that are not aligned with the will of God. He says, don't copy that behavior, the, the selfishness, the me, myself, and I, the, you know, I can do things on my own, like I don't need anybody. He said, don't copy the way the world goes about life, but, but do this, but let God transform you. Can you say transform? This is the word metamorphosis. Let God take you through this process of transformation into a new person by changing the way you think, right? Then... Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. But in order for that to happen, you have to, first of all, not copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God begin the process of metamorphosis. For me, it happened almost 22 years ago. This, this Memorial Day weekend will make 22 years when Jesus got a hold of me. I was 20 years old. And I can tell you my life, very plain and simple. It was just about playing sports and partying. That was it. That's all I knew at that point. 20 years old, typical, right? But I remember being in a church retreat all the way in the back, you know, because when you're not interested, you sit away in the back. Not you guys. I'm talking about me. Um, and, and I remember sitting there, and the service is going on, and I'm kind of doing my thing, you know, just looking around, making fun of everybody for doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, the man who was preaching, I don't, I don't remember anything he was talking about. Just like some of you right now, all you're hearing is womp, 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 Jesus, womp, womp, womp. Like, you, you, you're not in tune yet with the Spirit of God. That was me. I was sitting in the back, and then the man said, now bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to pray. 
And I had my first experience with this living God. I heard it clear. The, the voice of God for the first time said, you are living in vain. And I knew my friends in that instance, this might blow your mind, this might shock you, you might not believe it, but it's my experience, I get to own it, you don't get to say what it was or what it wasn't, but I'm telling you, in that moment, I knew something happened on the inside that began to shift me from the old to the new, and I knew instantly my life is never going to be the same again in that moment. It's not that I arrived, I just knew in that moment, God has got a hold of me, something has shifted, I'm not going to be the same person that I was. And so then began this process of regeneration. It's been ongoing. And I tell you, I'm 41 years old today, and I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, this thing is still going, and I'm still excited. I'm still passionate. I'm, I'm, I'm more in love with this thing of God today than I was 20 years ago. And why? Because it keeps growing. It grows with you. As you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. As you worship, the, the, the Word of God comes upon you. As you serve, you see more of God. As you give, you see more of God. My friends, when you embrace this new normal, it's not going to church on a Sunday. It's a lifestyle that is to happen to you. And it's, the, the thing is, I feel bad. Some people just come on a Sunday, they think that's it. But my friends, it's a lifelong process. I'm telling you, 41 now, I'm more excited than ever. I'm rereading this whole thing again, and I'm fascinated by the Word of God again. I'm fascinated by the mission that we have here. Like, I'm, I, I am fired up about what's to come. Six years was great, but man, thank God that we get to do this all over again in 2020 and see what God is going to do this year. But it's a transformation. Look, the Bible says, I mean, look, here's the definition of metamorphosis. Go ahead. It's a change of the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. You know that metamorphosis happens all the time. It's happening as we speak. It's happening in nature. We are in winter season, and we're starting to, 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 to come into spring. There's a metamorphosis that takes place in nature. That, that's why we have four seasons here. I grew up in, in Africa where we had two seasons. We had the dry season and the rainy season. So you would see the metamorphosis of the plantation. Everything around you would flourish when the rainy season would come around. It's the same thing spiritually speaking. You see it in, in animal kingdom where animals will be transformed from one, from one stage to the next stage to the next stage. And so, my friends, this is an ongoing thing that God wants to do in all of us. I think the worst compliment anyone could ever receive is when someone says, oh my gosh, you haven't changed. I think you should be offended. Not at them, but at yourself. Because think about it. I'm 41. If you saw me 20 years ago and I'm still the same, I would be like, man, something is wrong. The last thing we want to hear, parents, is our kids to never change. No parents in the house. You don't want them to grow up and get out of your house and, and move on. The last thing you want is for him to be 35, sitting at home in a basement playing Call of Duty. It's like, man, something's got to give. I don't know what I'm talking to today. <laughs> but there is stages, right? For example, in the animal kingdom, right? How do you get a butterfly? It goes through stages of metamorphosis. Right? Did you know this? The butterfly has four stages that it goes through to get to the butterfly. When you first start seeing a butterfly, it's just this mere grub, caterpillar. It looks really ugly, really disgusting. You would have no idea that with time, the metamorphosis would take place, and this thing would become a beautiful butterfly. This is the four stages that you see when it comes to butterflies. Stage one is just an egg. Everything starts with a seed. Right? And then it becomes stage two, which is a larva. Right? And then stage three, I had fun looking this one up. It's called pupa. I had to Google it to be like, let me, how do I say it? You know how you Google something that says pupa? 
you know, and so I find myself, I was studying, just having fun with this word pupa. So hopefully that goes home with you today, pupa. You know, I pray you wake up tomorrow and go pupa, you know, just, just for fun. And then, so he goes from an egg to a larva to pupa, and then he becomes an adult butterfly. But it's a process of metamorphosis. And what's fascinating about this is, this butterfly didn't do anything to make himself go through this process. It's just the natural process of a butterfly. My friend, spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. When Christ comes into your life, he puts you on this process. The key, though, the difference that we have between animal kingdom and us is that we have choices to make. God gave us the choice. Our choice is to position ourselves to go through the process of metamorphosis. Our choice is to say, God, you have the say. Our choice is to surrender so that God can have his way. Because if you ask a butterfly how he became a butterfly, he would never tell you, oh, man, I worked really hard. You have no idea what pupa was like. <laughs> that process of pupa was difficult. No, the butterfly would never say that because all he's doing is going through the flow that God created the butterfly to go through. But with humans, God says, I want to give you the choice. How awesome is that? God's like, I give you the choice to let me work on you. I won't force this on you. I won't make you. That's what I'm saying. Religion doesn't work because it's all outward appearance. It's like, do this. Don't do this. Say this. Don't say this. Sit down. Get up. Stand up. Don't say that. You can do all that and your heart not be changed. Come on, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, you can do all of that and still be the same. But when you are surrendering, you're allowing the transformation to take place. All you're doing is positioning yourself, and the, and, and, and the Spirit of God does the rest. Right? That's the beautiful thing about free will. I can choose metamorphosis, or I can choose to stay the same. And I think, man, what a, what a sad way to live life, to choose to remain the same. I don't think it's a compliment to be the same. I think it's a compliment to keep growing and to keep changing and to keep being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want to change the way I think. I want to change the way I speak. I want to change the way I act. I want to change the way I deal with people. I want to change the way I treat people. I want to change the way I deal with stress. I want to change. I want to metamorph into the person that God created me to be. Can you say amen? And so for us here, we believe that it happens in three stages. That's why I gave you this, so you can kind of see clearly, because the Bible says write the vision, make it plain, make it clear what we're trying to do. Listen, this to me is like the menu, right? When you go to a restaurant, I don't know about you guys, I go to certain restaurants, I grab the menu, I look at it. Funny thing is, I always get the same thing. <laughs> you ever do that? Like, you just go through the menu, you're like, oh, I just have the same thing. It's just the luxury of knowing, like, but I don't know about you guys, but here's what I don't like about certain restaurants. You know the restaurants are trying to do too much. You ever been to a restaurant, they gave you, like, a book as their menu, and there's, like, 50 pages, and every page is a different type of food? It's like, mate, y'all do Mexican, Japanese, Cape Verdean, Gulu? Like, how in the, who's back there? Like, I want to meet this guy who is this amazing chef who can cook anything, and if you say, I'll take number 130, does he know what that means? 130. Oh, that's the duck. We haven't done though in a while. Bring out the duck. <laughs> I don't know. I'm skeptical of places where we try to do too much. I feel the same thing about church. We shouldn't try to do too much because you end up stretching yourself thin and not do anything right. So we want to have a clear menu. This is what we do. We're not going to do anything outside of this. So I got a public announcement for you. If it's not in the menu, we're not doing it. You're going to go home kicking and screaming. 
right? Because it would be foolish for you to walk into a restaurant and demand that they do something that's not on the menu. And the restaurants who do really well have a clear, simple menu. This is who we are. This is what we do. So like that, the guy in the back, he's a specialist. And he does it well, and it makes you want to come back. Right? The last thing you want is that guy to be like, Yo, I don't even know what number 56 is. Anybody know what number 56 is? Someone order number 56. You know, no, but I think that you need to be focused. This is what mission is. It's focused. It's driven. It's passionate. It, it makes you wake up in the morning and says, I want to do this and do it better. I pray every year we just do a menu better. We just get better at being the people that God created us to be. And some people get frustrated with us because they want to come in and dictate the menu. I got a public announcement for you. If it's not in the menu, we're not doing it. Tell your neighbor, they don't, they don't do that. They, they don't do that, whatever that is for you. They, they don't, if it's not in here, they're not going to do it. I'm telling you, you know who has a hard time with us? Religious people. People will come from traditions. It's too loud. Well, read the menu. It's supposed to be loud. <laughs> Rap music. Yeah, read the menu. It's in there. Right? If it's not in here, we're not going to do it. Because our mission is too important to get sidetracked by doing a million things and I do a couple of things right. I believe that's not just a mission for the church, it's a mission for your life. You should have a focus and a drive and only do the things that you know you were called to do. And I'll tell you something, that's when you accomplish things in life. Ask me about any young person who is in trouble right now, it's because they don't have a menu. Young people get in trouble because they're bored. And when you're bored, you don't have a mission. And when you're bored, you do anything with anyone. Okay, hello. I'm just. So let me, so for us, it's three layers. It's to love God, love people, and reproduce. That's what you'll see in the menu. Love God. When I say love God, I don't mean religiously love God. Like, you know, everybody says they love God. I'm talking about like when the love of God permeates you, when you truly begin to love the things he loves. That's the love of God. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? The love of God, my friends, when he really hits home, it changes your perspective, it changes your motives, it changes your priorities, it changes the way you, you spend your time, it changes the way you spend your money, it changes the way you, you have relationships. The love of God permeates you in such a way that he empowers you now to live not just above the level of sin, but also above the level of mediocrity. See, I believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is not just Jesus forgiving my sins. I think that's half the gospel. I think the other half is way more powerful to say, Jesus, I don't want just forgiveness. I want power now so I can live above the level of sin and mediocrity. I don't want to think about going backwards. I don't want to think about going back to my old life. The old is gone. The new has come. My friends, I believe this with all my heart. There has to be a distinction between the old and the new. I would say this. You haven't met Jesus if you don't have a before and after. Come on. There's a BC days before Christ, and then there's after. Right? There had to be like, you know how you meet some people on Instagram, right? And then you meet them in person, you're like, you ain't the same. Your profile picture doesn't match this person. You ever seen a guy commercial with Pinocchio, right? That he meets this woman, and it's a blind date, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I lost some weight, and his nose kept growing. You know, it's like, come on, Pinocchio, that's not the real you. Hello, somebody. Right? Like you, it's got to be that there's a reflection of Christ that's happening in all of us. There is an old and there's a new. Right? And, and religion not going to do that. 
coming to church is not going to do that. It's embracing the surrender to the gospel that's going to permeate your life to the degree that it touches, I believe, every area. I believe God comes to touch your mind, touch your heart, touch your finances, touch your relationships. Every area that you are, think about it. You will never find a butterfly who says, I'm kind of butterfly. <laughs> Butterflies don't have compartments to life. Butterfly is a butterfly. And I believe the, the new is new. It's new in thinking. It's new in talking. It's new in relationships. It's new in finances. It's new in every area of life. When God begins to work in you, he doesn't stop until he sees the fullness of his work in you. So let's be clear about what this is not, okay? The new normal is not becoming more religious. My friends, I got news for you. Sometimes becoming more religious, you're actually drifting more away from the will of God. I know that's shocking because we are in a church, we're supposed to be religious, but that's not the point. The point is to embrace this process of transformation. Sometimes religion will make you more of a jerk than actually more of a loving person. You ever talk to religious people who think they're right, they know everything, they know who's going to hell, they know who's going to heaven, they know who's in, they know who's out. I got an email this week, last week, from a religious person. We're celebrating six years. I was excited. I put out an email for our church people. I don't know how this guy got my email, but he replied. He said, no one has ever been saved by your church. Your church is a joke. He said, your church is for toddlers. Now, let me have an honest moment with you that in that moment, the old me, the old me was like, let me out. Let me out. Right? The old me was like, let the angry Luther come out and translate. Let, let, me, let me come out. But thank God I'm a man of God. I was sanctified. I had to sit on it and, and say, you know what, I'm not. Because I just wanted to say something to this man, just a little thing. I just wanted to say this little thing. So I say it to you. So we come to church to confess. Release. I just wanted to say something very simple to him. I just wanted to say, I didn't know you were God. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you, God, for shedding light on this. But when I sit on it, I'm like, if I re respond to this man, I'm lowering myself to this level of foolishness. Because what we're doing is too important. It's too valuable. I know the stories. I know what life God is doing here. I got to stay focused on what God is doing here. We got a saying in this church, smile and wait. Because if the old me comes out, you ain't going to be smiling and waving. You're waving something else. Anyone know that, that, that old you, that Peter you? Peter was like, ah, ah. You know, Jesus is like, Peter, please, stop. Put away the sword, my friend. You're acting like you're from New Bedford. Stop. <laughs> so it's not about becoming more religious. It's about getting the heart of God, my friends. Because you can do a lot of religious things and not get the heart of God one bit. Because someone with the heart of God would never send that email. You know who had the biggest problem with Jesus? Go read it for yourself. Religious people. 
they couldn't understand. How can you allow all of these people come around when they don't seek to fit the pedigree of what religion is? Jesus said, I didn't come for the wealth and the well-being. I came for the sick and the poor and the hurting and the struggling and all those who would come after me. So my friends, it's not becoming more religious. It's not behavior modification either. You know, every year, people all over the world start the year with some resolutions. Oh, this year I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then they say, statistics shows, by, by, by week three, everybody drops their resolution. <laughs> Why? Because it's, I'm going to do this. This is not about behavior modification. It's about surrendering. It's about the heart of God. It's about saying, God, align me with your heart. Because on my own, I can never do this. Let me give you one example of what I mean by this. I know a person who struggled with smoking cigarettes. And they're like, man, well, no matter what I did, couldn't quit, couldn't stop. He said, I got to the point that I went to church and I said to God, he said he came to the front and he said, God, I can't do it. You're going to have to do it. I just can't. My friends, can I tell you, that's probably the greatest prayer you will ever pray in your life. God, I, I can't do this. You're going to have to do it in me. But here's the cool thing about that story. It's not like in that moment he heard a voice going, Behold. So I think everybody thinks it works like that. Behold. Thou prayer has been answered. <laughs> those people weird me out. You know the people like every five minutes, I heard God. It's like, yeah, but I think he said live by faith, not by sight. I think you're hearing yourself. That's a conversation for another time. But this man says, nothing crazy like that happened. He says, he went home. He said, the next day, Monday, he says, I'm working in my shop. I noticed something. I noticed that I didn't have the cravings. And I'm like, that's kind of different and weird, because by this time, I would have had a couple of cigarettes already. And he says, man, then it happened throughout the day. I went, oh, I went about my business. Tuesday came around, no cravings. Wednesday came around, no cravings. A week, two weeks, three months, five months. And I know this man personally. I know this man personally. That story happened over 30 years ago, and that man hasn't had a cigarette in over 30 years. Now, that's just one example of this metamorphosis that God will do. It's not behavior modification. Matter of fact, I believe the more you try so hard in your own strength, the more you fail. It's about surrendering. It's not about self-help neither. I think we get this confused. Right? It's not, you know, all I need is a little adjustment, and I'll be fine. No, my friends, we need transformation. Right? When you have a broken leg, you don't need a Band-Aid. You need surgery. Right? The last thing you need is for you to have a broken leg and go, I got a Band-Aid. Eh, good. The problem is you're not. What God wants to do is heart transformation. It's not self-help. People get this wrong. They're like, yeah, I'm a good person already. I just need a little tweak. Like going to the chiropractor. I've been going to the chiropractor. I like it. I highly recommend it. You should... <laughs> But this is deeper than that. The chiropractor cannot change your heart. He can only align your spine or whatever else you got going on. But you need heart transformation. Only Jesus is the expert in heart surgery. The Bible says he came to give you a new heart, a heart that beats out of the things that he cares about, the heart that breaks, like the foster care thing. Man, that's the heart of God. God cares about the orphans. God cares about the stranded. God cares about the hurting. You know the story. He left the 99 and go after the one that was stranded. And that was you and I at one point. God came after all of us. 
So let me tell you what the new normal is. Let me make it clear for you. The new normal, my friends, is a forward, progressive process of becoming who God created us to be and do. It's a forward, progressive process. It's not a one-time deal. I came to church, I said a prayer. No, it's a forward, progressive process. And my friends, I've been in this thing long enough to know most people don't embrace the progressive process. We like quick fixes. But as you know, quick fixes is like going to drive through to McDonald's and then you get diarrhea afterwards. <laughs> Once in a while, I like to shock your sister, make sure you're here with me. Are you, are you, are you with me? Okay, you, you heard diarrhea in McDonald's and, okay. Did you hear pupa too? Pupa. Okay. So, it's progressive. If you read the Bible, right? If you read the Bible, it's a progressive forward process that God has humanity on. If you look at the world, you think God's not here, God's not real. But if you pay attention, God is actually leading humanity somewhere. From the beginning in Genesis, God says he had a plan for humanity. It started with a garden and trees. And guess what? If you go forward, progressive revelation, all the way to the book of Revelation, it ends in a garden. So basically, life is between two trees. Because what messed up the thing in the beginning was the tree of knowledge of evil and good. But there was another tree, the tree of life. When you go read Genesis, right, and then read Revelations, it ends with the tree of life. And he says, I'm in the middle of them. And they come from all walks of life. They come from every country, every, every place, every situation, every economic background. They come to have a feast in this place with the Lord. It's a progressive thing that God is trying to take us through. That's why I tell you all the time, you may not be there yet, but thank God you're not who you used to be. You may, you're on your way to what God has for you. So you got to embrace the process, my friends. Just like the butterfly embraces the process of going through metamorphosis. And if you pay attention, God has you in a place right now. And what fascinates me about this process, when I read the Bible, is sometimes he does his greatest work in us later in time. Blows my mind. Like a guy like Moses, he's in his 80s, and God's like, I think you're humble enough not to go back and represent me. A guy like Abraham, who had tried so much to make God's promise come to pass, God's like, now that you can't do it, let me show you how this can be done. So don't count yourself out of this process because you hit a certain age. Age is nothing but a number, and a number is nothing but a thing. A theologian named Aliyah said that um, at one point. It could start as young as you are, and it can go as old as you are. And you guys know you're as young as you feel. Anybody feel young in this place today? So a religious man came to Jesus because he was fascinated. He was like, how are you doing this? How are you preaching? How are you healing the sick? How are you curing the blind? How is it that you are drawing so many people to you because you don't seem to fit the criteria of religion and these people around you don't seem to fit the criteria? How are you doing it? And Jesus gave him this answer. Look what Jesus said to a religious person. He said this. Go ahead to John chapter 3. He said, look, Jesus answered him. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, which means reborn from above, spiritually transformed, metamorphosed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. He's talking to a religious person. He's talking to actually an expert on the law. This man knew everything you can know about the Old Testament. He goes, I don't get it. Why? Because it's one thing to be religious. It's another thing to be transformed by the presence of God. 
My friends, we don't need more religion. We need more transformation. We need to position ourselves to be transformed by the will of God. Can you say amen? This is why sometimes you talk to some people and they're like, they don't get it. Think about it, right? If you're not into spiritual transformation, you come into here and you see us raise our hand in worship and you go, that just looks very weird. What are they doing? Well, I can tell you this. It's equivalent to me going to Foxborough and see some people lose their minds over the Patriots. Why? Because they have something that connects them to the Patriots that makes them want to shout, act the fool, paint their faces, pay $60 for beer. Because why? Your heart is into that thing. My heart is into him, the author and finisher of my faith. Here's another one. I'm sure you heard this. The church just wants your money. Well, you don't understand the power of giving. You have no idea what it means to give in order to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But if your heart is not regenerated, you will never understand the power of giving, how liberating it is and how powerful it is, how we can change you, your entire household, and break generational curses off of you so you can actually see the will of God in your life. So it's, it's literally like grabbing anybody who's not a Patriots fan and take them to Foxborough and they'd be like, what the heck, what's the point? Why would they be into this? I had a great conversation with a guy at a Patriots game. I'll never forget this conversation. You know, I, I used to go every year, a, a guy, a buddy of mine was a season ticket holder and he introduced me to his friends and, and, and so I don't like it because they go early. You know those people, they're really into it. They tailgate for hours. Like they bring TVs in the parking lot. They bring fire, they cook, they bring games. It's like a community. But I'll never forget one guy that I kind of hit up with. I just met the guy. And, and we went to the game. And, and the game was, was kind of boring, beating the Jets. They, they, they stink. Um, so we got into this conversation. Middle game, we're just talking about life. We're talking about everything, right? This guy is next to me, and all of a sudden, he, he gets to the point. He gets to this place. Yeah, well, what about the money thing? Y'all always asking for money. And I had this revelation in the moment that I'll never forget. You know, I said, buddy, here's, here's what's interesting. Since we've been here, this is third quarter of the game, I saw you take about six, seven trips up to get some beer. I said, each trip cost you about probably like $1,000 at Foxborough, you know. <laughs> and I said, I noticed where we parked, that cost us 50 bucks to park. And I noticed our ticket, not cheap, over $100. And now I said, now, now think about this. That's just you, but now times... About 50,000 people who are here right now, rooted on these people that they will never meet in their life, right? And you're wearing another man's jersey with their name on their back, and you're telling me we're worried about, like, you're already tithing into the Patriots. I said, my friend, I hate to break it to you, but you're in church. Because, because you give where your heart is. And you know what he said to me? He goes, uh... I never thought about it like that. <laughs> By the time we were done with that game, he's like, I'm going to church with you. At that point, I don't know if he was because of the Holy Spirit or because he was tipsy. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'll take both. You know what I mean? Just come as you are. Just come. You know? Just come. You know? But listen, my friends, uh, let, me, let, me, let me wrap this up. So what happens is when this regeneration happens, this transformation happens, now we become ambassadors. We become representatives of God. This is what Paul says. He says, when Christ begins his work in you, now... All you got to do is represent them. And guess what? When you like something, you're going to represent. You will, automatically. Think about it. Talk about restaurants. When you find a good restaurant, right, what do you do? Well, nowadays, the first thing you do is before you eat your food, you 
have to take a selfie of your food. <laughs> you don't even know if the food is, really good, is good yet. But that's our first order priority nowadays. <laughs> Best soup I've ever had in my life. <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> when you taste something good, you want people to know. Ladies, when you find a cell, what do you do? Girl! You gotta go to Target right now. Why? Right? Because good news are meant to be shared. That's what it means to be an ambassador. Now you, you, you embrace the gospel, you become a representative. An ambassador, that's all he does. I gotta run, my time's up. Look, an ambassador for Jesus is that I have embraced the grace and now people are my assignment. I wanna be a blessing in people's lives, tangible blessings in people's lives. This is what I'm saying, the difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus is that it compels you to do something. A lot of people feel bad. Feeling bad and compassion are not the same thing. You can feel bad and move on. Compassion is a compound word that says I need to take action. I'm so moved that I need to do something. I'm so moved by these foster kids that I need to do something. I'm so moved by the homeless situation in our city that I need to do something. I am so moved by the fact that there's single parents in our, in, our, in our community, I need to do something. Like, it compels you to do something. I'm so moved that I need to tell my friends who are away from Jesus about Jesus. My friends, it's not hard to tell people about something that's already in you. But it's hard to tell someone about something that's not in them. It's like telling a, a, a non-Patriots fan to talk highly of the Patriots. They'll tell you, they're cheaters, <laughs> they're cheaters. There's an asterisk on every Super Bowl they've won. <laughs> Haters, smile and wave. All we do is win. We're giving, the, we, we're giving, we're giving the, the league one year to recover. We'll be back. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, so when you break this down, there's three layers that God wants to take all of us through, right? And worship team, you guys can come up as I, ran, as I end. Layer one it's to fall in love with God. When you're in love, you do things differently. You don't do them begrudgingly. It's not an obligation. You ever been in love? Anybody been in love in this room? I just want to know. It's different when you're in love. You don't think about gas money when you're in love. But when you're not in love, you, you, you want me to go where? You seen the gas money lately? I remember when I fell in love with my wife, we were in college, and she had one year left, and I, and I was already working, and, and I would drive from Rhode Island to Boston, but I was so in love, I felt like I was floating. <laughs> 45 minute drive feels like 10. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A few years later, it's like, where are you? You can't get a ride? <laughs> That's not true. She's not here. <laughs> That's not true. Hey, next month we'll be celebrating 14 years of marriage. I'm so, I'm so grateful. You know, but it leads to loving people, my friends. People are made in the image of God. Jesus said, you gotta love your neighbors, you love yourself. It's hard to love your neighbor when you don't love God first. And it's hard to love your, 
yourself if you don't love God. It all connected. The more I love God, the more I love myself. The more I love myself, the more I want to love your man neighbor. And the more I love my neighbor, I love myself. And the more I love myself is because I'm loving God better. It's all connected. And it leads to reproduction. I want to bring it out for others as well. That's the ambassador part. So if you look at this thing, right, that's what this is. It's showing you a menu. How do you get from one to two and three? Not necessarily in that order, but just to give you a clear-cut picture that God wants to take you on a journey. And I think the ultimate, the ultimate place to get to on this side of life is to get to reproducing part where it's no longer about me, myself, and I. It's like, now, man, God, you've been so good to me. I want to be a mentor. I want to help others do what you did in my life, what others did for me. You pay it forward. It's about blessing others. Paul, the apostle, said, follow me because I'm following Christ. Paul had, he had sons and daughters in the faith. I believe that, that some of these foster kids can become your sons and daughters in the faith. I believe people in the church, brand new believers, can become your sons and daughters in the faith. I believe all of us can get to this place to say, God, you blessed me so much. Help me now to be a blessing to others in tangible ways. I want to reproduce your will on this earth over people. So my friends, go ahead, that last slide, please. Where are you in this process? Where are you? All of us are somewhere. First step to growth is to realize this is where I'm at. You ever go to the mall and you're like, you are here, you're trying to find a store. I think spiritually speaking, God says, where are you? Because you're not meant to stay there. Jesus said, don't be stagnant in your walk. Don't be lukewarm. He says, hot water has purpose. Cold water has purpose. But lukewarm water has no meaning, no purpose. So you got to pinpoint, where am I? And take your next step. Now, that looks different for all of us because we're all in a unique journey. But you got to take your next step. You can't just come to church, hear a message, and go back. You got to say, God, now empower me to take my next step. And here, it's clear cut, like, It'll show you. If you read this, you take it to heart, it'll say, this is your next step. And I believe today, together, we can all take a step together. All of us in this place. Every single one of you that can hear my voice. All of us today could join a crew. All of us. There are no prerequisites. There are nothing other than you are welcome to join a crew today. You're welcome to join a support system of people who are doing life together, who want to go somewhere together. You are welcome to find one that works for you. You know we have over 70 crews? 70 different crews that meet all over the South Coast region. From here all the way to forever, we have crews that can meet your needs, whether you're single, whether you're married or you're flirting. Uh, if you're an alien, we have a crew for you. Like We made sure that there's a crew for everyone to explore life together and to see what God's trying to take us. But you have to take a step. My friends, I bring you this place. My job is done. I can lead you to the water, but I cannot make you drink. I pray you use your free will to say, God, I want to take my next step. I want your will. I want to embrace the metamorphosis process. I want to embrace your will. My friends, we cannot get to the end of our lives and not produce everything that God created us to produce. Can you say amen? We just stand within your feet as we pray this morning. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. And for more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.